Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's Odds and End Zones. A podcast feature of MileHighReport.com. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time to sweat it out. Here are your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati. Well, Ian, we are back at a uh, familiar point to most of Broncos country. We have reached the finally. The finally, the season is over. Uh, last game, uh, the Broncos will take on the Los Angeles Chargers. That's getting easier to say, by the way, Los Angeles Chargers. I don't mess it up as much as I have in the past, so that's good. I, I feel like, hey, I found a positive for the season. Um, but, uh, eh, right? Eh? Yeah, I, I mean... That's what this game and this season, that's what it warrants. Eh. And for those who think that the Chargers don't have anything to play for, just let me state, there is a huge reason for the Chargers to want to win on Sunday. Be the fifth seed, you go to Jacksonville. Be the well, be the fifth seed, you go to Jacksonville. Be the sixth seed, you go to Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers I mean, do not want to play the Bengals. Yeah. No no one wants a piece of Joe Burrow and, and uh, Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins and, and, and all of that. Uh, and, and that defense is looking good-ish. I don't know. It's still Cincinnati. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. And, and quite frankly, the Broncos are playing for nothing but pride at this point. Uh, the season's over. There's, there's really nothing in front of you. There's no, like, we, like we've said this every year for the last, what, six years, seven years now. There's no such thing as momentum at the end of the season. 
you either no, it's not existent. You either play into the playoffs and and you have that, or you're done. And whatever happens in the off season happens. Things change so much that you really can't uh, go from one season to the next and think, oh well, this well in that last game we you know we scored 35 points and uh, we won by 15 and blah blah. No, it doesn't. Nobody cares. You're going to have like you said before we started recording, new coach, new coaching staff, new players, some new players, I guess. I don't really know what's happening there uh, just because I haven't been paying attention to it. So I'm not going to get into the momentum thing. Do I want Denver to win? Yeah, of course I do. I would love to be uh, you know, able to say they spoiled the Chargers season by forcing them to play Cincinnati, and so they were one and done in the playoffs, which would be fantastic. Uh, I, yes, I want to see uh, – this team continue to play well. I think the offense has kind of found uh, its footing a little bit under uh, the new head coach, Jerry Rosberg, Justin Outen called a pretty good game against the chiefs, I suppose. But at the end, I I look at this and I go, none of it, none of it's going to matter. So let's focus on the things that do matter, right? Like we could get into the keys to the game if we want to. I don't think it's necessary. Read it in the article. It'll be fine. We could talk about players to watch. I don't think it's necessary. There's Watch the players, whatever. I don't know. You know, our normal show is sort of like, eh, I don't have a bold prediction for you. But I, I do think that looking at this team, it will be nice to see if they can continue to implement whatever it is that they've been implementing the last few weeks and maybe pull out a win. And, and that'd be great. But the real focus with this team right now and with the fans, with what we've been looking at, is the coaching situation is what is going to happen moving forward. And so for for us, I think right now, a look at that is maybe more valuable than anything else that we can do uh, with looking at the game against the Chargers. Two quick things. The Broncos are looking to avoid going winless in the division since 1970. So the historic suckiness continues for this franchise, which is the only history the Broncos are making over the last seven years. And the other one, I will make a bold prediction. Oh, there I will be close. Coming. There will be close to 30,000 no shows. Ooh, that's, you Sunday. know what? That is interesting. I think, I, I think that actually plays into what's going on with ownership and coaching and uh, what the, what the team will do in the off season. And, and obviously when you have a fan base that is known for showing up, right? The Denver Broncos have a fan base that shows up. We don't miss games. Um, this is that's a huge statement by the team, or by the by the fans, by Broncos country. And I have seen, you know, some people on Twitter who have have come out and said, "Oh, Broncos country shows up, and you're not a real fan if you don't show up." And I've seen some commenters on MHR uh, sort of talking about how uh, they think it's ridiculous that we would advocate for people not going to the games, and true fans don't don't abandon the team, blah, blah, blah. And and I think the First argument off, <laughs> I, you're going to, you're going to say it. Yeah. I am so sick and tired of gatekeeping by fans. How dare you tell me how to be a fan? How dare you think that you have the right to tell me how to be a fan? It's an entertainment business. This franchise has sucked for seven years how dare you tell me how to be a fan? We're fans of the New York Yankees. There is a level of expectation. And the fact that the New York Yankees have gone 13 years without winning a World Series is unacceptable. And you're not going to see Yankees fans celebrate that. 
So no, fans should not go to the stadium on Sunday. They need to let it be known that this is unacceptable. You can show up. You can be a fan. You can say, I will die a Broncos fan, blah, 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 blah. Fine. I will too. But that doesn't mean I'm going to tell somebody else how to be a fan. I'm not going to gatekeep it. And I'm not going to tell them they're not a true fan if they don't show up. And I think that that's really the, the point that has to be made here. The It's not a celebration of people choosing not to show up. I, I think for me, when I look at that and I say, oh, I, I don't think people should show up, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of there is a message that has to be sent. And I, and I actually will tell you from experience, I, I kind of watched this happen. I live in the Chicagoland area. A lot of people who listen to the show know that. And I've been out here since uh, 2005. Oh, it's been forever. And I've had to deal with Cubs fans being Cubs fans. One of the things that, that happened, that legitimately happened, that forced the Cubs and their ownership, and the ownership changed, and the Ricketts bought the team, and they started pumping money into it and, and doing things a different way. But one of the things that forced them to realize that they had to put a better product on the field was the fans stopped going. They stopped selling out Wrigley Field. And to not sell out Wrigley Field is a big deal because Cubs fans are notoriously all about their team. And yes, it's a big bar and there's this sort of like atmosphere of, you know, everybody just wants to go and drink at Wrigley. But the truth is they care. They do care about the product on the field. But until they decided they weren't going to show up and prove that they didn't appreciate what was being put on the field, the ownership group didn't have to do anything. And they could just keep raking in the dough. And so it is. it does send a message to ownership. It does send a message to the franchise that says, we love you, but we won't accept this. And I am of the opinion, and it's really easy for me not to show up to the games because I don't live in the area anymore, but I am of the opinion that that is a way for fans to impact the team. And people say, oh, well, the billionaire owners, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to talk about them here in a little bit. But teams make money off of ticket sales, sure, and that's so those tickets are already sold fine, but they also make a ton of money off of concessions, uh, things that they sell at the stores, their partnership with with the betting sites. If you don't show up to the game, you're certainly not going to this, this little pop up sports books. You're, you're not going to be buying anything. You're not going to be paying for parking. We've talked about this several times over the course of the last few seasons, but especially this year. That's how you impact what the franchise does. And as fans, you don't have a lot of, they're not reading us. I don't imagine the Walton Penner group is pulling up mile high report and clicking on our podcast and listening, you know, to hear what Adam and Ian have to say on Broncos odds and end zones. And maybe they are, I think it'd be great, but I doubt Lewis Hamilton is calling them up and going, did you guys hear the podcast and hear what they said? No, they don't care. They don't care about this. But they do care about their pocketbooks and the money that they're losing when we don't go to the game. And that's why we say it. You want to go? Go. You want to be that fan? Be that fan. I love it. It's good for you. What works for you is what works for you. What works for us and what we think is better is the other side of that. What also matters is the reputation and the visuals that come across on the TV. There's an empty stadium that sends a loud and clear message. And I think... I think the thing that really needs to happen here, and it's no time like the present, let's go ahead and start talking about it, is that the, the team needs to make a commitment on the coaching side of things. 
And there's been reports recently, connections of the Broncos are connected to this coach, that coach. The two big names that are out that I think uh, most fans are um, the most interested in are uh, Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. Those are the two names that everybody goes, oh, those, you know, big names, whatever. And a recent tweet came out. uh, It sounded like something like they'd be willing to pay $25 million for Sean Payton and $20 million for Jim Harbaugh a year, right? So six years at 25 or 20 mil. Um, and, I, and I'm fine with that. I will say this, and I think this is where I'm going to go ahead and just put my flag in the ground now. I don't want them to hire Sean Payton. I don't think Sean Payton is the fix for this franchise. I am uh, not a believer in what Sean Payton has done over the course of his career. He's been a great coach. Let me just uh, you know make sure that I state that. But he took Drew Brees and that offense and that team with those great defenses, and they had great defenses, to one Super Bowl. One over the course of his time in New Orleans. So those Saints teams, for as good as they were, only won one Super Bowl. They only went to one Super Bowl. And you can point to the bad luck and the bad calls, and we can do all that. But quite frankly, the track record isn't exactly as unblemished as people would like to think. That's the first thing I don't like about Sean Payton. The second thing is the draft picks. You don't have any draft picks to give up. The Saints aren't just going to let him go away. You're going to have to compensate them. And the Broncos don't have that compensation. Now, on the flip side of that, we could talk about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is coming from college, so some people will call that a knock. But before he turned Michigan into a perennial college football playoff team that beat Ohio State two years in a row after having not beat Ohio State since, I I think, the Obama administration, probably since the Broncos, since before the Broncos had beat the Chiefs, just to put that out there. He was a head coach in the NFL that took uh, a team that I believe was a two-win team to the playoffs the very next year with Alex Smith as his head coach or as his uh, as his quarterback, excuse me, and then went to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick, one that they probably would have won if the lights had stayed on and momentum hadn't shifted. He's lost 19 games in the NFL to 40 wins, I believe, something like that, something around there. What are we doing? Here's Jim Harbaugh. Go for it. As you mentioned, before he went to Michigan, Michigan was not a good football program. It was not contending in the big, let alone in the Big Ten. It was not even in the national championship hunt. Since Jim Harbaugh, the Wolverines are. Michigan football is back because of Jim Harbaugh. The same thing happened in San Francisco. In the four years before he got to San Francisco, the 49ers went 26-38. and 38. In his four years as the head coach of the 49ers, they went 44-19-1 with three trips to the NFC Championship game and one to the Super Bowl. If you want to turn the Broncos around, you get a guy who has proven he can do it in the NFL and in college football. That is what we call a track record. He turns programs, franchises around. That's what the Denver Broncos need. And the only thing that it will take for Walton Penner to get Jim Harbaugh is money, which they have oodles and oodles and oodles and oodles and oodles of. Oh, you didn't do the last oodles. This they you are, missed an oodle, Ian. I did. 
the Walton Penner Group is the wealthiest, not richest, wealthiest ownership group in the NFL. The Walton Penner Group is worth over $60 billion. That's what we call Walmart money. They can throw whatever Michigan wants for the buyout of Jim Harbaugh, which is $3 million. That's like 5 bucks for us for the Walton Penner Group. And then to get Jim Harbaugh the contract that he would want, it's like 15 Six years, $120 million for Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, that's literally nothing for this ownership group. It's literally nothing. And it's not one or the other. It's not going to, there's owner, there's fans saying, well, I don't want them to pay that. And you can get into that in your argument. What I'm saying is it's not one or the other. They can have, they have more than enough money to pay Jim Harbaugh, to pay Vic Fangio, to pay Nathaniel Hackett, whatever it is they need, and still have more than enough to throw into recalibrating this roster and fixing the offensive line. Well, and I think so I'm with you. Jim Harbaugh is who they need to hire. Yeah, and I think that there there is a contingency out there of fans, and I I, I understand. Like we look at we look at these numbers. We live most of us live in a very sort of I'll call it a middle class world. Okay, most of us, I think most of the people who listen to this podcast, live in a a world where when we talk about thousands of dollars, that's a lot of money. When we talk about hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's a lot of money. When, when, if you talk about thousands of dollars with the people who own the Denver Broncos or own, own any uh, NFL franchise, thousands of dollars is nickels and dimes. Okay. And, and it is, uh, and I don't want to get into the con- the social conversation of the disparity of wealth and bl- all that stuff. And you bl- I believe that you can, you know, you can sort of probably tell where my, where my feelings lie on a lot of that, but whatever, that's not really the point of this. The, the point of this is, when they start to, when they, the Walton Penner group, when the ownership group of the Denver Broncos start to look at what does it take to fix this? I, I, I have this sort of analogy. Um, I, I play uh, a game on my phone. I play Clash of Clans, right? It's a stupid game. I know people are like, oh, you play Clash of Clans. I do. It's a dumb, mindless game that I don't have to do anything with. Generally speaking, it doesn't cost me any money. However, sometimes, sometimes, I like to throw a few dollars at it because I want to speed something up or I want to get something that's part of the game. And it costs me you know, a dollar or two. It's no big deal. Not a big deal. Don't e- I don't even have to think about it. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect whether or not I'm going to put food on the table. It doesn't affect whether or not I'm going to pay my mortgage or any of those things. Okay, That's what this is for these owners, these NFL owners, for a lot of them. It's This is their video game. This is their Madden 22 or 23. Right. This is... They, they play an ownership mode and they buy, you know, they, they put a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there and it doesn't really affect anything for them. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's an opportunity for them to do something that's different than what they do in the corporate world. And it's just on a scale that is just billions of dollars above what we do. And so when we talk, well, I don't want them to spend that much money. Well, that's because your concept of money is completely different than theirs. Their concept of money is money's not real. I can do whatever I want. Your concept of money for most of us and myself included is, well, I actually can't just do whatever I want. I have to be care- careful here. But if it's little, yeah, I can do that. I can I can spend a dollar here and a dollar there and it's not going to d- destroy me. That's what this is for them. So please, please spend the money. Don't tell me that Dan Quinn is in the mix 
at seven mil because maybe they don't want to spend the money on Jim Harbaugh at 20 mil. Why? That seems insane to me. That seems off off of the the world of 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 sanity. Where that's in a world of insanity, and I don't want to live in that world. I want to I want to live in a world where the Broncos ownership group says we are going to throw as much money as we need to at this to make it work. Yep, because that's how it works. And if if Dan Quinn is the head coach of the Denver Broncos next year, I am going to be very disappointed. The ownership group will have failed. They need to fix this. They need to prove that they can fix it. I wrote a horse tracks that was apparently controversial, but the time, the time for talking in words is over. Put up or shut up, as the old saying goes. And the way they put up is taking advantage of being the wealthiest ownership group in the NFL. Use that to your advantage. If they overpay, so what? I would rather have an ownership group willing to overpay than underpay. Would you rather have Dick Montfort running the Denver Broncos who will put more into who to upgrading the video boards at Coors Field than to the product on the field and building a bar in the right field stands? I would rather have an ownership group that's willing to invest in the product, that's willing to take a George Steinbrenner model, which involves investing into the product because he knows that's how he makes his money back. But aside from the economic point of it, I would rather have an ownership group that wants to win and is willing to do whatever it takes to win. And the thing that I've talked about, and we've talked about this when it was official that the Walton Penner group was going to be the next owners of the Denver Broncos, they can take the Stan Kroenke model of what he does with the Rams to the salary cap, which you throw your wealth into signing bonuses into the first couple of years to mitigate the cap hit because of how much money you have. That's how you circumvent the cap. But aside from that, the salary cap has nothing to do with what they pay Jim Harbaugh. If he if they want to up it to 30 million, up it to 30 million. That's not even a dent in their wallet. You know, it's funny you, and you did mention and I'm just going to throw the number out there cuz I think it's just it, it it sort of puts a a sort of an example of what what we're talking about here just sort of out there for everyone to to hear. If you don't know and Ian Ian looked this up before we started recording, the the Walmart company, right? The Walmart stores in one day of operation, make $1.2 billion profit. Four. One point, I'm sorry, 1.4. That was, so oops, that extra $400 million is a, is a, big, is a big one here. Uh, $1.4 billion a day. I, a I, day. I don't, I don't know what the math is. Not a is year. Not a year. Not a month. A day. A day. That's hundreds of billions of dollars a year. That are being made. And I understand the whole, you know, you got to pay salaries and you got to pay for this and that. And it's just overhead and blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I don't, fine. Whatever. That means they're probably walking away with a few hundred billion dollars a year profit. Let's not talk about how much it's going to cost to bring in a head coach for the Denver Broncos. Let's not do that. That's not a, that's not a piece of this conversation. And if it is, then there's a problem. And I understand people will say, well, they didn't become billionaires by 
just spending money willy-nilly. I agree. They didn't. But that's but that's, that's what they not can what do this with is. the Denver Broncos. Now, now they can. Now they can, and they should, or I'm going to be awfully disappointed. Um, <laughs> I mean, even... What's funny, there, there's a video that I've seen, and it's, hide the money, y'all. There's poor people around. That's literally what the Walton Penner ownership group can do with literally every other owner in the National Football League. Yeah, I think, isn't the, the Carolina Panthers owner the second richest owner, the second richest wealthiest, we should say rich wealthiest because richest doesn't really cover it. And it's, I think he's worth like 15 and a half bill, yeah. which is pittance, a pittance. Could you hide the money y'all? There's imagine, poor people around. Imagine living in a world where you could lose a billion dollars and still be one of the wealthiest people in the world. It, it, it we're not talking about the same people. We're not talking about the, a, the, a similar society of folks. It's a gilded age. Look it up. It's what we live in. And we're lucky enough, many of us, and some of us maybe aren't. And I hope that, that you know, you know, we can fix that at some point. But we live in a world where many of us are lucky enough to be middle class and living comfortably. But that is a different world. So let, I don't even want to, if, if it comes out that there was concerns about the money, I, I will be I will be furious. I will be there furious. Be. So. I, I, I can I, I can say it right now. I don't have any inside sources. I have no connections, whatever. <laughs> I can tell you, money is not going to be an issue for this ownership group, and it's not going to be raised. That's not how you become the CEO of Walmart. That's not how you become... I mean, you still have Rob Walton, whose dad, Sam, founded Walmart. I mean, money is not going to be an issue. And here's the thing that I will say. Jim Harbaugh is worth it because as I talked, as we said earlier, there's a track record with this. He has proven he can take a franchise like the Denver Broncos, which has been downtrodden and is now a losing franchise and turn it around. Well, and that right there, what you've just said is the key. And I think we have to make sure that we hammer that home as much as possible. Whoever they choose, it needs to be somebody who can do that. And there is a there is an obvious candidate out there to me that fits that mold, and it is Jim Harbaugh. So this, I guess, this is us uh, advocating for the Denver Broncos to hire Jim Harbaugh and and, and make that uh, the focus of of what they need to do this offseason. If it happens, great. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And this brings up the question that I've had people ask me: Well, why would Jim Harbaugh want want to go to the Denver Broncos? Well, first off. It's one of 32 positions in the National Football League. It's extremely hard and extremely rare to be a head coach in the National Football League. It doesn't just happen. And you're going to throw in the potential to be the highest paid head coach in the National Football League. Money talks. It's still the Denver Broncos. It's still one of the class organizations, one of the crown jewels. I think crown jewels it's one of is the, a good way to say it. Yeah, it's one of the crown jewels of the National Football League, despite the fact that it's been seven years of no playoffs and six straight losing seasons. It's still that. And you have the wealthiest ownership group in the NFL who is going to do whatever it takes to give you, as the head coach, what you need to be successful. And I'll add this part. He's going to have roster control. George Payton has already been demoted. 
they bring in Jim Harbaugh, I would not be surprised to see George Payton just stick around as the draft guy or as a glorified scout. But I would not be surprised if George Payton is out. He's already been clipped. He's already been demoted. Jim Harbaugh is going to want roster control. He didn't have that in San Francisco. That's one of the reasons that there was uh, headbutting and problems, aside from the fact that Jed York is power hungry and didn't realize what he has. I mean, obviously they have Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch now, and it's been flipped. But Jim Harbaugh is going to want roster control. He's going to want complete say over who he brings in and who is on his football team. That I think I will say that right there does raise a, a small concern because as you just said, he didn't have roster control in San Francisco, but he was able to take the ingredients that he was given and turn that into uh, a, a pretty solid souffle, if you will. Um, I, I would almost argue that you don't necessarily give him 100% roster control, but you give him maybe a, a final say in whether or not we go after a guy and, and, and whatnot, because he's not probably going to be the, the cap hit guy, the numbers guy, that kind of thing, which is what, something I think aside from the mistake that was made with Russell Wilson, giving him this massive contract before he proved anything. Uh, I, I think besides that George Payton hasn't been terrible in bringing in certain talent. I, the offensive line has been an issue. I, I'm not necessarily one who thinks that there needs to be a move on from George Payton here, but if you could figure out a way to marry those two in a way that would give them uh, a certain amount of, you know, f- you know, control of bringing players in, but a final say kind of deal, I think that that could become a very successful thing. And then eventually probably George Payton goes away or becomes something else, which whatever, I don't really know how that works, but I, I don't know that you necessarily want to give Jim Harbaugh a hundred percent roster control, 75 give him 75 percent. leave george payton in place to sort of be the guy you verify things with i'm not somebody who has fallen completely out of love with george payton but i do think to your point if jim harbaugh says i'm not coming to denver unless you give me roster control then you probably go okay you got it i mean i do think you you make that move if that's what his demands are Well, and I'll, and I'll say, what, what, why would George Payton want to do that? And the thing that George Payton has done well is the draft. George Payton has not done anything in free agency. He made the decision to bring back Melvin Gordon. He extended Cortland Sutton. He did all of this stuff. Very few of his free agency moves have done anything. The draft, yeah. He's had two consecutive drafts, two good drafts. Okay, let him run the draft. Yeah, I think that's kind he of where my He has no say over what at. goes on in free agency. And final say goes to Jim Harbaugh. But would George Payton want that? Well, and that's the point. He's already been demoted. If it's if and and I think that's my point is that if that's where we're at and it's like, well, I don't want that. Well, then you're you're free to go. We'll find somebody else who will play within the system that we want. And I, and I think that they could do that, but we're, we're starting to cross bridges that haven't been built yet. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're getting to a point where we can't really do anything until uh, an ownership group comes in and says, here's 120 million, Jim, go get them. And we don't know if they're going to do that. Hopefully they will. Uh, That's kind of where we're at with that. Um, I, you know what I do want to, I want to switch gears a little bit here. I think that it's, it's um, something that's, that's worth you and I at least lending our voice to a little bit. Uh, and, and that has to do with the situation on Monday night football, 
the DeMar Hamlin, um, I, I, it's not an injury, but the, the incident, right. The tragic incident that took place, uh, at the beginning of that game and everything that went down. And I don't want to necessarily get into, uh, the science of it. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to slam the NFL here for their decision-making skills, because I, I think there's so many things that go into, uh, the decisions that are made that it would be unfair for me to speculate. And you can read other reports about that, but I will say, and I was pleased to hear the reports of the teams essentially making that final call and saying, we're not going to play this game. And the bills and the, the, and the Bengals sort of coming together and saying, yeah, we're, we're not going back out on the field tonight. Uh, that was something that, you know, when you have a, uh, you know, a, an incident like that that takes place and someone who is uh, widely respected. Obviously, uh, both teams made a good choice there to say we're not going to go back on the field. And um, the, you know, the broadcast teams did the best that they could. I'm, I'm not here to judge them as well. I thought they handled it uh, with the the best uh, intentions. Obviously, you know, a lot of people, big fans of Ryan Clark and what happened with him. And as Bronco fans, we know uh, how uh, health can impact a football player watching what happened with him not being able to play in Denver and Mike Tomlin telling him he wasn't allowed to play and that story. And so, uh, you know, obviously our thoughts are with DeMar Hamlin and, and for in hopes of a speedy recovery uh, as, you know, news continues to come out with that. But that was a uh, an incident that I, I thought merited at least a, a, a brief conversation. It was one of those moments that stops you in your tracks and frightens you because he legitimately could have died. And it shows that it's beyond a game. It's beyond football. That was a human life. And I I think so often we get caught up in the moment. These are human beings. It's an entertainment. It's a, it's one of the most popular aspects of entertainment in the country it's probably the most popular but you look at it and then I'm, I'm not making a connection here between what happened to demar hamlin and the way that russell wilson is talked about you saw the human element of what it meant to russell wilson to have his teammates step up and defend him after the game He was literally in tears talking about what that meant to him. These are human beings. And every single time they step on the field, they put their life at risk. It's their dream. It's what, it's what basically all of them have dreamed and wanted their entire life, but that doesn't remove the risk. And no matter what you do, no matter what happens, just like any other form of life, You never know what's going to happen, and you never know when it's your time. And that was a freak incident. And it it, it makes you step back and wonder what part you have in watching this. I felt guilty that I watch football, that I love football, that I write about this, that I talk about it. Even my day job is predicated on, on gambling on it it forces you to take a step back and realize what are we doing? 
And this isn't some sort of statement about what the NFL does or does not do for its current and former players and how it treats them or views them, but it's me personally and the role that I play in this. And it it, it just, it, it was a terrifying moment. I mean, he had to be resuscitated and brought back to life twice on the field and then again in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And he's still fighting for his life. There's good news and encouraging news coming out about what's happened in the two day, two to three days since that happened. He's still on a he's still on a on a ventilator, but it's not 100 percent like it was when he first got to the hospital. He's still in ICU, but we're getting good and encouraging news. And I I just I will say the positive that I've seen is the reaction to his charity and how much money has been donated. The last I saw it was $6.5 million. That's incredible. I think that the, you bring up a really good point there at the end. I think that the one thing that we uh, will oftentimes be reminded of is the humanity uh, of the players, the humanity of the fans and the fact that, um, you know, I don't necessarily feel a sense of guilt, but I, I do feel a sense of um, recognition of my own part in the dehumanization of these players and a reminder of that, that these are these are human beings is is a good thing. I'd like to be reminded in a different way. I like I like being reminded of it by uh, Russell Wilson being protected by his his teammates. I thought that was a, a much better reminder than the one that we were forced to witness against uh, or as we watched the Bills and Bengals play on Monday night, but it is something important that these are not just names on your fantasy football roster with numbers next to them. These are uh, sons. They are husbands. They are fathers. They are breadwinners. They are hardworking individuals who have sacrificed uh, a lot of their, um, a lot of their, their livelihoods to, to be a part of something that, that they have wanted to be a part of their entire lives. And, that humanity, I think, is important to remember. It's one of the things that I, you know, when you see uh, people tweet at players because they didn't perform on the field and their fantasy football team lost, go away with that. You can you can complain on social media about a player, but don't tag them, that kind of thing, right? That's the sort of thing that always makes me go, that's just ridiculous. And recognizing that they are providing us with a service, that entertainment value, that... Uh, that leisure time, that that break away from the everyday monotony of whatever job it is that you do and however difficult things are for you, you have those, uh, you know, you have Sunday, right, to go and sit and watch these individuals. And it's like that with all sports, right? All sports are like that. Movies are like that. Music is like that. Entertainment and, and the value of it is something that um, we have to, as a society, sometimes step back and remember these are individuals who are human beings, who do have emotions, who do have feelings, who have physical issues, who have these kinds of things that they're going through as well. And so for us to be reminded of that is sometimes a good thing. Uh, again, this kind of reminder, not my favorite. So, uh, you know, I, just to sort of put a pin in or a bow on it, I suppose, uh, just just thoughts with the, you know, with DeMar Hamlin and his family and the Bills and, and the NFL players who have clearly been 
um, shaken by this incident. Uh, and, and hopefully news continues to be positive moving forward in that sense. So I, I did just want us to have an opportunity to, to, to lend our own voices to it quickly um, and then kind of move on from that. I don't even know if there's anything else we need to talk about this week. I think what will be interesting is what the NFL de- decides to do with that game. I'm of the mindset that it will be ruled a no contest because the logistics of trying to play this game, this is the last week of the regular season. The playoffs literally start a week from this weekend. There's no way the NFLPA, these players, these coaches, or these teams are going to be okay with playing a game next week and then one of these two teams, potentially both of them, turning around two to three days later and playing a playoff game. That's legitimately not going to happen. The only way it could happen is if you get rid of the week between the championship games and the Super Bowl and you push everything back a week. But then that means the Bills and the Bengals get no week off and the current playoff teams do get a week off to gear up for the first round of the playoffs. So I think they're going to rule this a no contest. It's going to screw the Bills over because the Chiefs will get home field advantage. But, I I mean, I, I legitimately don't know how you do this. There's no way they can play this game next week. And the NFLPA and these two teams and these coaches, whether it's next Thursday, maybe that's a possibility. Are are they really going to be okay with two to three days later playing their first playoff game? Talk about, I mean, injuries, first off. Yeah, no. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.